What's up guys? Welcome to our next installment of our team mini-series. Today we are doing the Los Angeles Rams who are opening the 2020 season in a brand new stadium, sharing it with the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, it's a very nice looking stadium, multi-billion dollar stadium, uh, open up against the Cowboys, but we're here to talk about their fantasy relevancy. Uh, I got Jared Goff at, I got him uh, about 4,400 passing yards. 26 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, another 80 rushing yards on the ground, and then two touchdowns, putting him at about 328 total fantasy points uh, using six points per touchdown scoring, which is a, an improvement from last year. Um, we're going to hear a lot about from from uh, Doc here that he is a Rams fan, that uh, he, he, he thinks Jared Goff is a system quarterback, and, and that might be so, but, I mean, we saw two years ago he was – he was a really good system quarterback. I mean, he threw the ball really well. He's got a he's got a nice trio of wide receivers plus a, a wide receiver that they drafted in the in the draft this year. So um, I could definitely see him having a nice year again, and uh, especially with Todd Gurley not being there anymore. There's really no competition behind him, nobody to really threaten his job, and I would certainly hope not because they're paying him a lot of money. So hopefully he's not on the bench at any point. But uh let's let's get into the professionals um thoughts on Jared Goff. Let's get into the so fans your... thought about Jared Goff. Uh yeah, I mean so I'll keep this strictly fantasy. I mean I won't jump on any Jared Goff soapbox and how terrible that contract is and how that's going to haunt the Rams forever, but that's fine. <laughs> um, I mean, in terms of fantasy production, he's going as the 19th QB off the board. And I mean, to be honest, that's great value right now for him. And we talk about how deep this quarterback class is, but when you look at his three finishes uh, in terms of uh, his point production the past three years, he was the 13th QB last year, 7th the year before, and 12th the year before that. So he's always been either a QB one or borderline QB one, even in a season where he kind of, you know, people say he struggled, but from a fantasy standpoint, this is a very pass happy offense. So going off the Q, the board as QB 19, I actually like that quite a bit. And uh, you mentioned already with Todd Gurley gone. I mean, I think the floodgates could open and this, they're going to have to pass the ball all the time. We don't know what's going to go on with Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, Cam Akers. I mean, there's just a bunch of question marks everywhere. So I've mentioned this previously. I think Jared Goff could have a kind, the kind of season that Jameis had last year where he throws for 5,000 yards and the team stinks. So, uh, you know, I, I like his value quite a bit right now. I think he's under the radar. If you take him as your backup quarterback, he could provide QB1 value. So uh, as much as I hate him in real life, I think from a fantasy standpoint, he does offer quite a bit of value. All right, perfect. And then you already mentioned some of the running backs' names, actually the three relevant running backs' names. you got Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, and Cam Akers. I think uh, it, it's really tough, especially with the kind of offseason that we're having, who's going to take over the lead in this backfield. Is there going to be a lead in the backfield? Or are they going to run a, uh, a a committee? But the the sexiest name is Cam Akers. They drafted him in the second round of this draft, um, uh, a draft that they didn't even have a first-round pick in because they went out and traded for Jalen Ramsey. So he was essentially one of their first picks. It, he was their first pick, correct? They didn't have another second-round pick. They had Van yep. Jefferson, but they uh, they picked Akers first. Um, so he yep. was essentially their first pick of the draft. And so that means that they they either – I mean, at the time, obviously, they had Todd Gurley still on the team. So um, did they, did they want to go in a different 
or they kind of thought that they were going in a different direction. They also they have Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson, who uh, were also on the team still. So it's that they want to bring in Cam Akers to be the bell cow. They want to have a committee. Um, fantasy wise, Cam Akers is an excellent uh, dynasty stash. He's a guy where he's not getting a lot of love in in redraft leagues as far as like getting drafted super early, kind of like your Jonathan Taylors and your Clyde Edwards Hilaire's. And, and he could be one of those guys where halfway through the season, towards the end of the season, he is taken over and end up getting 100-yard games, two touchdowns, and, and winning New Year weeks. Yeah, I mean, so this backfield to me, I'm actually just avoiding it in redraft leagues, honestly, based on where these guys are going right now. Cam Akers is the 26th running back off the board. I mean, that feels way too high for me. At that point, he's a borderline second running back. I mean, maybe he can provide that value, but it'll most likely be in the second half of the season. Daryl Henderson going 43rd off the board. Malcolm Brown, 57th. I mean, I actually would probably be more prone to take a chance on Daryl Henderson at this point. We still really haven't seen what he can do. I know a lot of people liked him coming out of Memphis. And, you know, I wasn't overly impressed from what I saw last year. But I do think that he can uh, be a productive back in this league. And we just have to give him more of an opportunity. He really, I think he only had 50 carries last year. So, yeah, you know, very small sample size. But, I mean, in general, I do think long-term, this is Cam Akers' backfield. I always say that talent wins out in the end. And Cam Akers is the most talented running back in this backfield. So, will it be in 2020? I think that's a different question. Uh, I love him in Dynasty Leagues. And uh, I'll mention briefly, I brought this up to you a few months ago, actually, now. And I said, the biggest thing I'm concerned with is that Sean McVay is looking over at San Francisco, and he's going, wow. That running back system, uh, that worked out pretty nicely over there. And I'm not even kidding you. As of, uh, I think, two or three, it was over the weekend. So two or three days ago of this recording, by the time this episode comes out, probably a week and a half ago. But Sean McVay went on a radio show and said, I really like what San Francisco did with their backfield last season. And I could see us adopting a similar approach. When I heard that, I was like, okay, you know, and I've said before, don't believe coach speak. But that's the kind of coach speak that I buy into because what incentive does Sean McVay have to say that unless he was planning on implementing it? He's not instilling confidence saying Cam Akers is my guy, Daryl Henderson is my guy. I mean, he's basically saying this is a competition. I'm going to use all three guys. I'm going to use the hot hand. And we know from a fantasy standpoint that is a disaster. So (laughs) I'm not really touching them in redraft leagues. And I'll take Akers in a dynasty league in the top half of rookie drafts if you haven't had yours yet. But besides that, I'm going to stay away. All right. Talk a little bit about their offensive line. You obviously know a little bit more about them than I do. (laughs) Um, I like the left side of their line. (laughs) Andrew Whitworth and Austin Corbett seem like a pretty solid pairing over there. Um, I'm not too familiar with their center and their right side of the line, so why don't you give us some numbers there? Yeah, I mean, I... I really don't want to, but um, Pro Football Focus had them ranked last year as the 31st offensive line. Um, They have them moving up this season to 25th, so there's improvement. But yeah, I mean, Andrew Whitworth, I mean, he's like a thousand years old now, but he's very productive. And yeah, you mentioned Austin Corbett, same thing. They're both very productive linemen. Uh, I don't think Corbett's going to be the long-term answer there, but uh, same thing with Rob Havenstein. He didn't play a full season last year, but that's kind of the... 
the heart and soul of their line right now are the two tackles on the end. When you start getting to the out inside, uh, I mean, they have a lot of question marks. Uh, I mean, they didn't draft anyone this season. That was a surprise to a lot of people. I'm honestly not that surprised because they spent a ton of picks last year on uh, offensive linemen Bobby Evans and David Edwards, who you see right now are backups on their depth chart. They actually started quite a few games last year, and they improved a lot. I actually liked what I saw from those guys. So it's one of those offensive lines that, uh, besides Whitworth, they have a lot of young guys, and they're really banking on those young guys improving. And if they don't do not improve, this is going to be a terrible offensive line. But I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. These are guys that have only started like five career games, and I think they look like serviceable starters. So with a little bit of improvement, maybe they could be better, but very underwhelming and they're relying and i mean i can't stress how much they're relying on these young guys to improve all right let's raise your spirits a little bit let's talk about a position that they do have some uh some good some good weapons there um that's their wide receivers here okay cooper cup i know you yeah. love him robert woods i know zach loves him josh reynolds and then van jefferson another guy that you love what's uh yeah. what's your thoughts on these guys here yeah, it's funny because I tend to, I really, I love some prospects pre-draft and I swear they always get drafted by the Rams and it kind of freaks me out and it didn't happen at running back because I love Travis Etienne and I was really hoping Gurley had one more year so they could draft Etienne, but that's probably not going to happen at this point. But wide receiver wise, Cooper Cup, uh, I still think he's underrated. And I don't, people always say I'm biased when I talk about Cooper Cup, but he was productive last year. He had 10 touchdowns. That was second in the league. And it wasn't all because of uh, this, you know, Pete, and I'll talk a little bit about their offense because that's a big topic of conversation, not only among Rams fans, but just in the fantasy community in general. But Cup uh, was third in red zone reception, second in the league in touchdowns, and he had a touchdown in five straight games to end the season. You know, I mean, that's impressive. People say, uh, they, so they switched their offense in the second half of the year last year. They played more two tight end sets and uh, only two wide receivers. So Cooper Cup actually lost quite a few snaps to Brandon Cooks in those two wide receiver sets. So when you look at his snap percentages, they weren't impressive, but he was still producing. He was the 15th best wide receiver in PPR leagues. Uh, over that stretch so I mean or I'm sorry not 15th best he was actually the uh, seventh best he's 15th off the board right now so this was still a guy that was a top 10 option in PPR leagues even though he wasn't getting the volume reception wise he was making up for it with touchdowns so this year Brandon Cooks is gone I think that's going to have a huge impact because essentially in two wide receiver sets I have to play Robert Cook or Rob Robert Cooks. <laughs> you have to play <laughs> Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Those are your two best wide receivers. As much as I love Van Jefferson, I mean he should not be taking Cooper Cup snaps in two wide receiver sets. So I think Cooper Cup's going to be on the field more this season because he's not competing with Brandon Cooks, who is a very productive wide receiver. And then, um, so I like Cooper Cup. He's going as the 15th wide receiver off the board. As the year, for the entire year, he was sixth in PPR points. So I do think he offers some top 10 upside there. And I already mentioned, this should be a very pass-happy offense, which just means a ton of targets to go around. So I like Cooper Cup. He's going 15th, so not the best value, um, but I continue to see him slip. So if he slips any further, I like it even more. 
Robert Woods, and I know this is the uh, big debate here. Robert Woods had a crazy second half last year, and I definitely, in PPR leagues, I might favor Robert Woods, but if it's a non-PPR league, I'd probably favor Cooper Cup, who's more of a red zone threat. And, I mean, he still had 90 receptions, so it's not like he's not getting catches. But Robert Woods, I mean, he had a crazy second half. Over the last half of the season, he was sixth in total PPR points. I mean, sixth, and there's huge names at the wide receiver position and the good old Bobby trees was sixth in the entire league. So, I mean, he went on a crazy run. Uh, I expect him to be a very productive wide receiver. Once again, he's going 19th off the board. So really in that wide receiver two territory. And I, I mean, I like that he's a wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside. And that's really what you should be looking for in a pass happy offense. So uh, I like both of them, honestly, as much as we can debate back and forth, who's going to have the bigger season. Woods probably will have more receptions and Cup will have more touchdowns, you know, so it goes both ways. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they finish pretty similar in terms of points and uh, we're both top 15 guys. Other wide receivers, Josh Reynolds is actually listed as their slot guy right now. Uh, Cooper Cup played 60%, actually closer to 70% of his snaps in the slot last year, but they're going to move Cup over to the outside. He is 6'2". I mean, people see Cooper Cup as this little slot guy. I mean, he is a bigger guy. He's not as small as people think. So uh, Cooper Cup's going to move to the outside. Josh Reynolds in the slot. I like Josh Reynolds. He's more of just a league average wide receiver, I would say. I'm more excited to see if Van Jefferson can step into that slot role long term. And I said it pre-draft, but Van Jefferson's a very polished route runner. He has great hands. So I I like his potential a lot. He's not going to produce much in year one because this is Cooper Cup and Robert Woods show in the passing game. But Van Jefferson's a good taxi squad stash. All right. Good analysis there. Love it. Absolutely love it. We're moving on to a couple other targets for uh, Jared Goff here to try to get him to those 5,000 yards again. Um, he's got he's got a trio of tight ends here that uh, that you can look at really. Probably looking at only two of them being really relevant this year, if if any. Um, I mean, hopefully one kind of just runs away with it, just so it's not just split down the middle between Higby and Everett. So hopefully one of those two guys runs away with it, but then taxi squad and, and deeper rosters, you got Bryson Hopkins who could uh, make some noise um, beyond this year. But let's talk about Higby and Everett more for, uh, for redrafting this year. Yeah. So just quickly on Bryce hop or yeah, Hopkins. I, uh, I'm not overly high on him, but Gerald Everett's contract is up after this year, so you might see him step up in the future. So, yeah, you could probably stash him in your taxi and see what happens. But, I mean, I mentioned Robert Woods crazy second half. I mean, Tyler Higby's, you can just times it by 100. I mean, he really came out of nowhere. This is a guy that was more known for just being kind of a run block. He's a very good run blocker, and that's what he was known for. The Rams signed him to a pretty big extension, essentially to be a sixth offensive lineman is what a lot of people say, but he kind of came out of nowhere. He was the third tight end the last half of the season. And he finished the season with five straight 100-yard games. I mean, he just went on this insane tear. And if there's one guy that benefits the most from this offense transitioning to two tight end sets, I mean, it's Tyler Higby, and there's no question about that at all. I will say I don't like Tyler Higby's value right now. I mean, because the big question right now is, is Tyler Higby for real? 
I don't think he's as real as we think he is because Gerald Everett was injured last year uh, during that stretch. And that's one of the things that kind of goes under the radar is he was playing in two tight end sets. And really, uh, Johnny Munt, who's uh, fourth on their depth chart right now, he's a fullback converted to a, a tight end. But he's just he literally never runs routes. So in two, those two tight end sets, Tyler Higby was running all the routes and Munt would stay in and block. So um, Gerald Everett is not. Gerald Everett is a big-time receiving threat. I remember when they drafted him that Sean McVay said, I hope he's like Jordan Reed was for me in Washington. So uh, Sean McVay has said before that he really likes Gerald Everett. So I think Gerald Everett's going to be a little more involved than people think, especially if they continue playing those two tight end sets. Um, and uh, Tyler Higby, I didn't even mention his ADP. He's eighth off the board right now for tight ends. That's too high for me. I mean, you're just asking to be disappointed mm-hmm. at that point. Could he finish as a top 10 guy? Maybe, but I think that they have too many weapons. I think there was a lot of factors in his favor during that stretch last year. So I, uh, and I've mentioned before, this is a very deep tight end class. You know, I'd rather wait a little bit. You can get Noah Fant la- later, Mike Gusecki. Uh, I mean, there's a, a whole list of young guys you can get much later than Higby. So I, uh, I hope Higby B performs as a Rams fan, but from a fantasy standpoint, I'm not as optimistic. Yeah. Eight's definitely a little too rich for me. I'm, I'm thinking more of like a Hayden Hurst around that area instead of a Tyler yeah, exactly. Higby. Um, we like to talk about their special teams. I'm not really s- they have uh, That's bad. <laughs> Simba Webster as their punt returner right now. They don't really have a kick returner listed. And they also have three kickers listed. Uh, they drafted one this year in the seventh round, Sam Sloman. Um, I mean, does he have the edge to to win the job? The thing is, here's the thing. With, with the Rams, obviously they play in L.A. They play in the Dome, so they got all their games out there. Um, they play in San Francisco. They play in Seattle, who could get windy and, and, and rainy. And then they also play in uh, in Vegas, who also has a new stadium, new dome too. So, and we talked about how this offense can. Now the running backs are lacking a little bit, but Jared Goff and, and and company could throw the ball and get into the end zone. And between their wide receivers and tight ends, they could probably put up some points. So we're probably going to want to keep an eye on which kicker is kicking field goals for them and uh, getting the extra points. But who do you think has the upper edge? Because I think whoever it is might have a chance to be on somebody's roster. Yeah, I mean, Sam Sloman is the rookie that they drafted. I mean, when to me, when you draft a kicker, you're probably planning on using them because you can just grab a kicker off the waiver, honestly, most of the time. Like uh, Rodrigo Blankenship was the number one kicker coming into the draft, and he didn't even get drafted. So uh, the Colts si- ended up signing him. But to me, when you're drafting a kicker, you're pretty confident that he's going to be your guy. We saw last year Greg Zerline was 11th in fantasy points. So, I mean, you're right. As much as Sam Sloman went to a small school, he went to Miami, Ohio, where Big Ben went. But uh, he's more he doesn't have a big leg from the scouting reports I've read. He's more of just an accuracy kind of guy. You won't expect him to miss many kicks in the 40 to 50 yard range based on what I've read. Once again, I'm not watching Miami, Ohio kickers. This is just based on scouting reports. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he seems like he has the upper edge right now, McGinnis, uh, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce her third stringer's name, and I'm not going to pretend like he's been in the conversation very frequently. So Sam Sloman should be the guy. I'm not drafting a rookie kicker, but you're definitely right. 
later in the year when you're looking for a bye week guy, I wouldn't be surprised if Sam Sloman was providing kicker one value. Perfect. And then now under their defense, um, they have they have a guy by the name of Aaron Donald who I guess is pretty good. <laughs> uh, Terrell Lewis they took in the third round. He slots into their one of their starting linebacker spots. Leonard Floyd is another guy who's been around in the league for a little bit. Uh, Taylor Rapp is one of their safeties. He's uh, he he's was drafted last year in the second round. He's definitely got some um, some potential to put up some fantasy numbers back there. As we mentioned already, they traded their first rounder in this year's draft during the season last year to bring in Jalen Ramsey. It's another one we we bring it up every single episode about the the starting cornerbacks, the number one cornerbacks. You're you're really not targeting the number one cornerback on your fantasy teams in IDP leagues because they're not getting the balls thrown their way. Ramsey is one of those guys. I mean, he may have lost a step a little bit since a couple of years ago, but he's still a top ten or not top ten, but he's still a top end cornerback in this league. Um, he's going to be covering your number ones. In I mean, he's probably going to be on Hopkins. Uh, out there in Arizona, he's probably going to be on. Uh, he's probably going to be on Tyler Lockett out there in Seattle. Maybe get a little bit of coverage against DK Metcalf. So um, you're not going to get a lot of balls going his way. So I wouldn't touch him in fantasy. But <clears throat> those other guys, overall, the defense, it's definitely it could be improved. Um, but they do have some good IDPs that that I just mentioned and. and Jordan will break him down a little bit better. He knows the team a lot more than I do. Yeah, I mean, so the Rams as a whole last year, they were actually fifth in terms of scoring. Um, They tend to uh, put up pretty decent numbers, especially when they had Wade Phillips. We'll see if that changes at all moving forward. But under Wade Phillips, they were usually a top 10 unit in terms of fantasy production. I mean, I'll talk about Aaron Donald first. I mean, he's... I, pretty much, and this isn't me being a Rams fan, I mean, pretty much no matter who you ask, he's the best defensive player in the league. I mean, definitely top five if you really want to start arguing about it. But he, uh, and he's just as relevant in IDP leagues as well. He's been top 10 every single year he's been in the NFL, except his rookie year. He didn't play a ton that year, but he's been a top 10 defensive lineman every single year. So very consistent. Uh, along that defensive line, they play a 3-4 Sean Robinson, they got from Detroit. He's more of a nose tackle, not much value there. Same with Michael Brockers, who will be on the other side of Aaron Donald. He's just a run stuffer, not much uh, production in terms of sacks there. Their linebacking core makes me very nervous. Um, and I think one of the biggest losses of any, and this isn't just me being a Rams fan, but I think one of the biggest losses of this offseason was Corey Littleton. I mean, they lost their leading tackler. He was all over the field, and he was one of their captains. So uh, it was a big loss for them. And it was kind of funny when I was going through this step chart and preparing this a little bit. We talk about vacated targets with passing games, but you don't really think about vacated tackles for IDPs. And that's kind of the situation we're in with the Rams here. You're looking, you're saying, who's going to get tackles on this defense? Terrell Lewis was more of a, a pass rusher at Alabama. I expect him to do the same thing here. He'll be playing on the outside in a 3-4. Leonard Floyd, same thing. They uh, He's replacing Dante Fowler from last year who went over the Falcons. Fowler had over 10 sacks last season. Similar thing, they signed Leonard Floyd to a one-year prove-it deal. He kind of struggled in Chicago. So I wouldn't be drafting Leonard Floyd, but don't be surprised if he puts up 
over 10 sacks this year. He might be a guy that you end up picking up later in the season. So then you kind of look at it and you're like, okay, I mean, they're starting inside linebacker as of right now. The guy replacing Corey Littleton is Micah Kaiser, and he is not being... Dynasty League, where we're starting, I mean, what is there, 48 roster spots, something crazy like that. So I did draft him in that, but that's because he might get over 100 tackles because the, at the end of the day, somebody's going to be leading the middle of that defense. Uh, they got Kenny Young over in a trade from Baltimore. You might see him get that, but overall, those are two guys you're probably not going to be drafting. But, yeah, I mean, keep your eye out on them because mo- one of them is probably going to end up starting and getting a ton of tackles. So I, I've mentioned before, put those kind of guys on your watch list and see how they do early in the season. Their safeties, they arguably have the best safety duo in terms of fantasy production going into next year. Um, Taylor Rapp was really good last year as a rookie, and he was one of the most impressive Rams overall. He had 100 total, exactly 100 total tackles last year. And uh, I was looking at IDP scoring a little bit because I was just curious how he did because he didn't really start till the second half of the year because they had Eric Weddle as well. But uh, he was third in points the second half of the season among IDP. So I think that's a sneaky pick at the end of drafts. This is a guy that could have 120 tackles and be a top 10 defensive back in terms of IDP production. And same thing with John Johnson. He had 119 tackles in 2018. It was, was injured most of 2019, but you could have two safeties here with over 100 tackles. So that's all I got for you. <laughs> all right. So that's it for the Rams here. Final thoughts on them. Uh, they finished 9-7 and seven in the NFC West last year, missed the playoffs. They were behind the 49ers and the Seahawks. I, I'm sorry to say it, but I actually got them in fourth in their division this year. Oh, my god! I got the Cardinals actually moving up to second. I got the Seahawks winning that division. And surprisingly, I'm going to have the San Francisco 49ers dropping down to third. With the Cardinals making one of those one of those seven wild card spots or one of those wild card spots probably as a seventh team, maybe the sixth team because I got Detroit also making it this year too. So a couple surprises in there, but uh, the 49ers coming off a Super Bowl loss to not even making the playoffs the next year. I think Seattle takes first, the Cardinals take second, the Niners take third, and the Rams take fourth. But this is one of those divisions where you could have probably two nine and seven teams. Um, I mean, the the Rams might finish with the same record last year, but but just end up being uh, just dropping down a spot into fourth place. So I could see him at nine and seven, but just finishing in fourth place. Did you have <clears throat> just a random question? Did you have the Seahawks winning the division before Jamal Adams? Yeah, I had uh, when I did my projections just a couple months ago. We did. Um, I had the Seahawks. I had the Cardinals right at second too. So basically, I haven't changed anything. Um, I haven't adjusted the records even for Jamal Adams, but I haven't changed anything in the division at all. Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of people saying that Jamal Adams by himself makes them the leaders. I mean, don't get me wrong, Jamal Adams is an all-pro, but I don't. I never buy into it that one player, especially a safety, is going to add in, what, five wins for the... You know, people start coming up with crazy predictions, but I agree. I think the Rams are the worst team in the division, and I think when you start looking at it offensively, I think they have... 
probably the worst offense in the division. <laughs> I think they could definitely have the worst defense. I like a lot of the moves the Cardinals made defensively, uh, actually. So I think they could have the worst divi- or defense in the division. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not overly optimistic. I talked about it. Their linebacking core has a ton of questions. So, I uh, and so does their secondary. They lost some pieces there as well. So there's a lot of question marks, and I agree. I think they're going to be in last this season and then i think it'll be a dogfight at the top i don't know if i'm quite ready to say the 49ers will be in third i do think the cardinals can be in contention for a wild card but i uh the 49ers defense is just really good so i don't know if i'm quite ready to drop them out of the playoff race but focusing on the rams yeah definitely last place as I mentioned, worse offense, worse defense. I really wish they didn't have Jared Goff because I would love for them to implode this season and get Trevor Lawrence, but they're kind of tied. Nobody's going to take that Jared Goff contract. No, nope, not at all. So they might finish last in the in the division, but they're going to have one of the best uh, new stadiums. So that's something to look forward to. <laughs> all right. So until the next episode, we'll see you guys then.